Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up! Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. I was a manager of a movie theater. I did this for 11 years while I was in high school and finishing college. This was in the late 90s before everyone had cell phones. Now, our theater was an old one from 1985. It had two main halls, with a concession stand in the middle. We didn't have the business and staff to run both sides of the stand, as well as both halls. So we put a huge standee to cover hall one, and directed all traffic to hall two. I came in after school, and opened the front door, and I left it open for my employee that I saw driving up as I went inside. I didn't wait for him because I had to use the restroom. I ducked behind the standee and ran to the restroom. We had gone over and over that you need to pull the door behind you because people show up early before we open and they try and come sit in the lobby while we're getting set up with loose cash all over. Well, Drew left the door open. I came out of the restroom and I went to the door to head upstairs to the office and start the day of setting up and treading all the projectors while Drew got the stand ready. As I opened the door and looked up the stairs, there's a large dark-skinned man holding Drew by the arm and he had a gun pointed at me. He yelled, Get up here now! Open up the safe! I just smiled and said, Hi, how are you? I came up the stairs and pulled Drew away from the man, and I then stood between him and the armed robber. Drew was 16 and just a kid. I opened the door, and I told Drew to sit on the other side of the desk in the corner. I propped open the door and put my things on the desk. We had three phones in this office. He then yelled at Drew to pull the one behind him off the wall. The robber grabbed the office drop slips from the tray on the wall and ripped the phone from the desk out, as well as the one behind him from the computers. I got down on the ground and started to open the safe. Now, this was a Monday, so we hadn't had the time to send back our extra petty cash for the weekend that the armored driver took Mondays. We had thousands in cash, more than normal business days. He throws a small bag at me, and he tells me to put the cash in. I took my time and emptied every bag. I really did my best to unnerve him as I was cool and calm, and my heart wasn't even racing. We have two boxes with 500 and quarters each. He wanted them in his bag, but they wouldn't fit. He points the gun at me, and he tells me to make them fit. I said they won't, and I let them fall out on his foot. He makes Drew empty his backpack. Drew put all of his things under the desk out of sight because he didn't want him to take his electronics and whatnot. I put all the money in the backpack and I step up in his space to hand him the bag. I'm five foot eight and I had on high heels, making me about six foot. I'm tall, slim, and blonde, but I can also lift with the guys. I was now eye to eye with this fat ass man. 
I was showing no fear. He just kept telling me, Back up! Back up! Stand over there! Stop looking at me! And I would just smile at him. When you're young, you think you will live forever. I just wanted him to run away from us and to be intimidated by me, so that he knew I would do something if he tried to touch us. He just kept telling me to back up and turn around, and also telling Drew to come around the desk. I gave the guy an evil look, and he then said back, I just need him to open the doors for me. As they turned to leave, I ditched my shoes, and I ran across the hall to the projection booth as soon as his back was turned. I called the police, and I then told them we've been robbed, that he took my employee, and that they're still in the building. Drew came up the stairs looking for me, and I then told him that I was on the phone with 911. He told me that the getaway car was a red Honda with a female driver. The cops made it within five minutes. The weirdest thing was before the police showed up. An employee who worked down the street and an eye master showed up banging on the door, yelling, asking if we're okay, and to open the doors. And at the same time, the other manager that I worked with was calling while I was on the phone with 911. When I answered his call, he just kept yelling, asking what's happening, saying how he had this bad feeling that we were in trouble and that he needed to be here with us. I'm in the car now on the freeway headed to you. I'm five minutes away, he said. The employee then said how he was standing at the counter at work, and suddenly he knew that he needed to get to the theater right away. He told his other co-worker to watch the place, and then ran to get us. I guess that I broadcasted a mental alarm or something. My mother called me on her lunch break asking what's happening as well. She said that she felt doom wash over her in her meeting and then called when she got out. Three weeks later, I was at work, managers in training in Dallas, and I then get a pager alert to call my mother and some other number. I told the district manager something's going on, and I called. It was the Arlington Police Department. They arrested a man that they think is the gunman, and that I needed to come up and do a lineup. I told all the managers that I had to go, and they told me to go, Go get him. I was able to point him out within seconds. I had to actually go to a trial and stand on the witness stand and point him out. He actually tried to claim it was a fake gun. I told everyone there that I'm a member of the National Rifle Association. I know guns. He took a plea deal after that. 25 years until he can get parole, which is coming up next year. As it turns out, He kidnapped a bank employee just a week after robbing me. I really hope he learns his lesson in jail. I learned that I can stay cool as a cucumber in stressful situations. Drew thanked me for trying to protect him. I'm just glad both of us ended up okay and that neither one of us got shot. I'm a 37-year-old female who grew up in the 90s to early 2000s in a subdivision on the western slope of Colorado. In this suburb, there were quite a few kids around my age. My childhood friend lived across the road from me, and her and I would constantly play together and ride bikes. There were a few neighborhood kids that would tease and pick on my friend, and I occasionally as well. In our subdivision, we had a new family move in with their two kids. 
They were homeschooled, and they were very sheltered children now that I think about it. One evening, the whole subdivision of kids were out in force riding around on bikes. And of course, my friend and I became the target of taunts and name-calling while being laughed at. Around this time, the new kids came out to ride with the rest of us. The teasing took a pivot and was now targeted on the new kids. I'm ashamed to say that I also started to pick on them too, just to fit in. As I was picking on one of the kids, I had seen their mom sitting in the garage watching her kids and the rest of us. This scared me. In my little kid mind, I thought she was going to come out and yell at me and the others. As I was getting ready to pedal home and ride, their dad came speeding down the road and pulled into the family driveway extremely aggressively. Now I'm really scared, thanking the mom and called him to come home because we were picking on their kids. As I'm sitting there thinking of all the horrible outcomes that are about to happen to me and my fellow bullies, the father slams his car door and walks up to his wife when they're then having a really heated argument that I can't hear. My fears reached the peak, and I then pedaled home as fast as I could to go hide. Meanwhile, I hear their mother calling to her kids to come in for the night. As I headed my house, I started to calm down, and I eventually forgot all about my fear of being scolded. My ease was not to last, as within a couple of hours of going inside, several police cars had swarmed the neighbor's house. My parents and my older brother all just watched through our living room window, trying to figure out what was going on. And my little kid head, the mom and dad had called the cops on all of us kids for picking on their children. But as the situation had progressed, no law enforcement came to talk to my parents about my bad behavior. As I woke up the next day for school and stood at the bus stop with all the other kids, they were all talking about what happened. One kid said that the parents were gang members and shots were fired on the house or that the dad had taken the lives of his family. Well, it wasn't until a few years later when I was in my early teens when I'd actually heard the facts of what actually happened that night. So I guess the mother and father having just bought this new house in our subdivision were now having financial trouble along with the wife not happy in the marriage and had asked for a separation early in the day. In the evening, when she'd let the kids come out to play with the rest of us, the dad came home extremely angry with her. As time had progressed that evening, their argument had reached a peak, and the father feeling frustrated and that all hope was lost, went out to his car, pulled out a pistol, and ended his life. Since there was a gun involved, it brought a lot of uniformed officers to our neighborhood. EMTs were also called due to the nature of the father's wound to the head, but he was dead on sight. Looking back at it now as an adult, I can't help but feel so much sorrow for that family. I mean, damn, those poor kids. As a mother, how do you even explain that? What can you even say? I always wondered how they're doing if their childhood ended up being a happy one, even with this tragedy. I never saw them again after that night, but I sure can remember their little faces. Mental health is no joke or something to shrug off. If you're struggling, or you know a loved one who is, reach out and try and help or find support. Thank you for taking the time to listen to my story. For reference, 
I'm a 26-year-old female living near the Memphis, Tennessee area. I travel to East Tennessee a good bit, either to visit my boyfriend when he's out of town or to go visit my Tennessee Hummer family. We always plan meetups and drive our Hummers through the mountains. This time, however, I was traveling to do both. My boyfriend was staying in a hotel in Nashville, Tennessee. I drove the three to four hour drive to go spend the weekend with him and I would visit my Hummer family while I was gone to work during the day. I had a pretty decent drive, nothing too crazy. I got close to where I was about an hour away from getting off the interstate and being at the hotel. I started to debate if I wanted to stop and take a bathroom break and get a snack before I go to the hotel and crashed, and I'm so glad I decided against it. Let me tell you why. Once I made it to the hotel, I got out of my Hummer and I took my pistol out of my car holster and I put it into my waistband holster like I always do when traveling. I unloaded my luggage and headed inside. It was about 12 to 1 a.m. I believe at that time. For reference, my boyfriend's hotel room was like a small apartment. Once you walked in, on your right was the fridge, counters, and mini island cooking area. To your left was a closet, then the bathroom right behind it. Behind the wall of the bathroom was the first bed. This was the bed we were sleeping on to be blocked from the door just in case something happened. I get up to my boyfriend's room and he then greets me at the door. I go inside and I then get ready to take a quick shower before we go to bed. Once I finished, I went into the bedroom, got dressed, and we snuggled for a while. He had been out of town a lot, so it was nice to be with him again. A few minutes later, we're laying in the bed and we hear some running and screaming from down the hallway. We were really confused, but we guessed it was probably just someone's kid playing or something, forgetting that it was midnight and the screams weren't all that loud, or maybe they were just too far down the hallway to tell. Well, we continued to lay there, but we were quiet and we kind of just listened. About a minute or two later, we hear a pop. It didn't really click in our minds what it was, that is until the second pop came and my boyfriend threw me over the bed and then threw me on the floor behind our bed. Someone was outside our room shooting. We laid there on the floor with our guns drawn just in case we needed to protect ourselves as we didn't know what was going on in that moment. So we waited. Once it was quiet for a while, my boyfriend phoned the front desk and they said that the police would be here soon. We both just waited and watched out the window. Now, I won't be mentioning the hotel's name. I couldn't even remember it if I tried, to be honest, because I don't want to get any legal issues after me. I didn't want to share this story with someone, though, just in the hopes that I get across to some ladies the very importance of having something to protect yourself with. If I didn't have my pistol, and I turned that corner off the hallway to the elevators on the main hallway, I have no idea what I would have done. If you do have a pistol, please take it with you everywhere. Have it loaded at all times on your person. You never know when you may need it. The cops eventually had the road to the hotel blocked off and across from the hotel was a big field. They searched the field while a unit searched the hotel. We waited, watching the whole scene unfold. We saw a stretcher come out of the lobby with a black bag. We all knew what that meant. After we heard a commotion outside in our hallway, we got a bit worried 
until we then heard, Lebanon police, is anyone hurt? We went to the door and we looked out the peephole and we told them no, we're fine. They continued down the hallway knocking on everyone's doors. We sat there for hours, just waiting for them to finish up. When they finally left, it was about 6 a.m., and my boyfriend went to go to work. I kind of just sat there in the room until my sister-in-law came up to the room to sit with me until my boyfriend and his brother got back from work. We sat there watching movies until about an hour later, and they got back to the room. They couldn't even think about work at the time. We all just hung out in the room together for a bit, talking about what happened and all the blood and bullet holes that were in the walls. There was a bullet hole in the wall right outside of our room, and there was blood all over the door of the stairwell, as well as all the walls that passed our room. I'm just so thankful that I didn't stop and take a bathroom break when I thought about it, because I probably would have been right in the middle of it all. We lost a lot of sleep that weekend, and we still get jumpy anytime we stay in a hotel now. It was such an insane experience, and I'm just really glad we all lived to see another day. We heard that the shooter was the one who was carried out in the body bag. A guest apparently pulled their gun out and ended their spree before it got too bad. We aren't really sure if that happened, though. No one really told us anything. My boyfriend and brother-in-law just heard from their co-workers or around the hotel. It's still surreal to me that I could have been right in the middle of it all if I had actually decided on stopping. Moving forward, I will always continue to drive unless I physically can't. I will keep my full name in the place of the event anonymous due to personal reasons, but I felt like sharing it might help in the long run with the PTSD coping process. So here's my story. It was November 27th, 2018. I was working as an assembly worker in a window manufacturing plant inserting glass into frames and then securing them before they were loaded into the delivery trucks to be shipped out to customers. A co-worker and I were talking about the holiday season and what we had planned to do with our families. It was only 30 minutes into our shift, 6.30 a.m. to be exact, when four pops rang throughout the factory. Reacting to this, myself and a couple of the other workers initially thought it was just a mechanical failure on the line. That is, until two more bangs echoed throughout the factory. Only then did we know for certain. They were gunshots. It sounded as if they were coming from the shipping area, no more than a hundred feet away from my section of the assembly line. We all then ran to the nearest fire exit and luckily made it to the parking lot. Once outside and safely away from the building, I called my parents to let them know of the situation, and no matter what happened, I loved them. Soon enough, the shooting stopped, and we were ordered back into the building once police arrived on the scene. The factory instructed us to continue working for an extra 30 minutes, but in actuality, none of us were feeling very productive after that. We were all sent home, and from here my memory is a little blank, as it was a trance blur throughout the following hours. The news story later came out how an employee threatened the shooter's wife and that the shooter had taken it upon himself to make an example. He held an employee at gunpoint and demanded him to escort him to the said employee, and once there, he opened fire. Luckily, nobody was killed, 
but the employee who was targeted was hit in the ankle and kneecap before the shooter left the premises, but he was eventually caught by authorities just a mile away. I really struggle with the shooting, in a sense that I'm constantly aware of those around me, and I never fully trust anyone, minus a few. It did, however, motivate me to pursue a higher standard of life, and being that it was my first month at the job, I left shortly afterwards. I'm now in the U.S. Navy working in the aviation field, seeing the world, and learning to live life for life. So, I guess that's a happy ending. Anyway, thank you for taking the time to hear my story, and to everyone out there listening, be safe. <laughs>